you can already feel it a little bit this morning, but our, our, our morning, our ritual, our habit is going to have a little bit of a different pattern than it normally does. Um, there's a bit of a precedent in our congregation that the first Sunday of the new year, we pause and we all gather together, we keep the kids in with us, and we take a look at what happened the year before. And we do some hypothesizing, we do some dreaming about what God might do in the coming year. So um, I'm thankful, looking back, and I, I went back and listened to some of the things that we talked about gen the beginning of January in 2020. And I'm super thankful that I didn't have any kind of grand vision of like, this is what we're going to do, this is the hill we're going to take, we're going to like achieve all of these goals. Um, really, our focus for this year is a, is a small focus that you've been reminded of at least every week, every day, if you drive past the church building, that we would just take this year and spend some time... Um, for, as, a, as a farming landscaping analogy, spend some time tilling the soil, asking that the Lord of the harvest would do his work, that he would prepare people's hearts, that we would spend this past year praying for our neighbors. And so we, we even went and covered up our name on the sign and just said, you know what, the thing that you need to know about what's happening in this congregation this year is that we are praying for you. We are praying for our neighbors. We're praying for the people who are driving past the building. We're praying for the people that are in our families and our coworkers. We are taking this year and we're praying. And the good thing is that you can do that from anywhere. And we can do that throughout the year. And we have, and it's been really, really fun um, for that to have happened. And so we've just taken this year, 2020, as a year of preparation. Um, there are some pastors who this morning are having to apologize for being false prophets, for making projections about what 2020 was going to be like in January. And I'm just thankful that, that not because of my wisdom, but simply because of where God is leading us, that, that he gave us a task that we could accomplish in a year. Um, and so now uh, we can celebrate that together. So as we begin... 2021, uh, day three, let's pray together. Let's pause as, we, as has been our habit this past year and just pray together. The model of prayer that Jesus left for us, we call it the disciples' prayer. You might know it as the Lord's Prayer. And these aren't magic words. This isn't some kind of an incantation that makes Jesus do the things that we want him to do. But it's a prayer that asks him to continue to be involved in our world and in our lives in a way that's special. So would you pray together with me? I thought I had it on here. There it is. Um, pray together with me the disciples' prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So if you have a Bible, I just invite you real quick. I'm, gonna address, I'm just going to touch on, in the scripture here in James chapter 4. Um, I'm going to touch real quick, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about what, what happened this past year. James chapter 4, and verse, beginning in verse 13, is on page 1258, if you're using the blue Bibles. <clears throat> James chapter 4, verse 13. 
Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So this is a, a small passage. This is a, a small block of verses that I think we have learned together in a very acute way this year, whether we meant to or not. Uh, setting out, uh, maybe making New Year's resolutions last January, we, we thought that the world was going in one trajectory, and we maybe never anticipated that things could turn on a dime the way that they had. And so we're reminded in this verse that we don't know what tomorrow will bring. And so as we make plans, which, which Scripture in other places uh, tells us to do, to count the cost before we do something, to make a plan so that you can achieve it, to work together towards something, as we are making our plans, we do so with the knowledge that ultimately it's all in God's hands. That whatever happens, he's the one who's guiding and directing it. And whatever happens, he is the one that's in control. As out of control as we might have felt in the past months, the past weeks, in certain hours of darkness, as out of control as we might have felt, God has never been out of control this year. And so we turn to him and we trust him. So what is it that we did in 2020? Um, well, we know that the, the mission that God has left to us, the way that we've been articulating the thing that we are here to do is that we are inviting our neighbors to meet and follow Jesus. And we might look around and say, okay, well, did, were we able to do that? Well, absolutely we were. Like, even when, we, even when coronavirus hit and we decided not to have services in person, we were gathering together on Zoom. And we were doing things, uh, albeit differently, albeit maybe not, uh, not the same way that we would, not a way that we were comfortable with. We had to learn new things, but we were meeting together, um, which was a great challenge but also a great blessing to know that these people, though I can't see them all the time, they're still out there. They're still trying to follow Jesus. They're still trying to connect with their coworkers, and they're still trying to keep their families sane. We're all doing essentially the same thing. We're all homeschooling together. What an adventure that was. Um, so we did that online, and then as we went together in person, or as we began to meet with our neighbors in some really interesting ways uh, in the neighborhoods here, we realized not everybody who's our neighbor here to this church building has an internet connection. And so as we began to gather again together, it wasn't because we wanted to get things back to normal. It wasn't because it's hard to sing with a computer when everybody's on a Zoom call. It wasn't because I don't know how to unmute when I want to say something. It was because there are neighbors that are near our church building who are far from God, who are interested in connecting with God, but they don't have the internet. And so if God gave us this address and put us in this place for a reason, it was to connect with these people, and so we needed to offer something that we could offer them to be able to join together with us when they don't have internet connection. Either it's not reliable or it's not, they don't have enough data or they don't have anything to watch it on. And so that was our motivation for, again, gathering together so that we could continue to invite our neighbors to meet and follow Jesus. 
Um, and we've been, through, we've been through some stuff. So these are the, the title graphics for the sermon series that we went through this year. Um, setting life in order. Do you remember that one? Remember how optimistic that felt in January last year? Uh, setting life in order and the poverty gospel. Uh, who is this Jesus guy? Forgiving. Break the cycle. Refocus. Uh, living with the end in mind. I feel like there's a little bit of a turn in our congregation going through that series. Um, silver linings, looking at families, horizons, looking at the future, asking who are the lost, and then asking God, hey, tell me a story. This is, these are things that we've been through together, things that we've studied here together. And if you've been with us uh, regularly throughout this year, there may be something you don't realize. Each of these series was focusing on chapters in the book of Luke. And all together in 2020, we went through 16 chapters of Luke. So even if you weren't reading your Bible daily, you weren't in your, like, if you were with us on Sunday mornings, you in 2020 went through 16 chapters of the Bible at least. And you engaged with God and the things that he's doing there, which I think is really interesting. All together, we also did, we went through the entire books of Judges and Ruth, and we did an introduction in the first couple of chapters to 1 Samuel. And we did an overview of the whole Bible. Remember, we just finished that in Tell Me a Story. So, so as far as like engagement and what God is teaching us, he's taken us through a lot of material this year. And I don't know about you, the thing that's interesting is when we sit down um, and we kind of plan out our year, we sit down in January and end up trying to plan um, through, not the July, but through the next July. So in January, we plan a year and a half. And as we're praying through that, it's like, okay, God, like, where do you want us to be? What do you want us to be focusing in on? And there's a, a sense in which we're really connected to this passage in James 4, where we do not know what tomorrow will bring. But if we happen to show up there and we plan to meet with God, then perhaps he will have something to say to us. And so I didn't know in January of last year that I'd be losing my father in August, and yet we put on the calendar to be going through that section of Luke where we're looking at living with the end in mind. There were, uh, we didn't know that we'd be uh, trying to figure out all of these new interpersonal connections, that we would suddenly have a significant amount of more time with the people in our households all of a sudden, and we maybe didn't know that we would need a series on forgiveness in January, and yet God put us in those verses at the same time. So this thing is interesting, that God has continued to walk with us, he's continued to guide us, he has continued to shepherd us, through everything, as out of control as we might have felt, God has never been out of control. Um, so that's been our look in the last year. One of the other things that th has changed is because of um, because of this being not meeting in person, we've had a live stream. Um, John uh, John Packard set us up with a live stream so that we could send videos out and connect with people. And we set that up. We were actually geared to go that route in 2019. And in 2019, uh, stuff was happening. We had 677 views in 2019. It's about 13 video watches per week-ish. So that was happening, but there wasn't really any kind of traction. And just by the shakeup that happened this past year and us then investing some more technology into that area so that we could do it a little bit more efficiently and having regular posting and engaging with that, just by opening that door, 
We had 2,115 views of YouTube last year. So there's a sense in which we could look around in this room, and maybe if we've been a part of this congregation for years, it can feel like God's never doing anything. We are never growing. I look around, I see the same faces year after year. I see the same faces that I saw four years ago when I was here, and I left for a time. It seems like God's not doing anything. But there's a small shift that happened that God opened up the back door, and even though, as far as the faces in the room are concerned, like, God is still doing things outside of what's happening in this room, which, by the way, is the way he meant for it to be. What we do on Sunday morning is a rally call. What we do on Sunday morning is, 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 a, is, a, is a getting together, is getting in a huddle of talking through the game plan, of getting our heads straight around what it is that God's asked us to do. But this is like the cue up for what we're going to do in the rest of the week. The work that God does doesn't happen in church on Sunday mornings all the time. The work that God does happens in the week through our hands and through our feet through our words. And God, in his grace, and his kindness, saw fit to bring more people into what God is doing in, in this little corner of the forest, of the Ocala National Forest. I think it's neat. And, I, I can, and there's a sense in which like, I can look at those numbers and go, oh, look, God's doing something. But when I consider of all of the things that I have watched this year, that there are people that have never met us who have chosen, I'm going to tune in and I'm going to see what's going on in this corner. I'm going to hear from God's word as it's being presented to that congregation there. Like, what is God doing with those people? Because broadcasting online isn't about giving people content to consume, but it's about hoping and leading and guiding, inviting our online neighbors to meet and follow, not Michael, not Ryan, meet and follow Jesus. That's really neat. So walking out of 2020, it can seem like I can put a graphic up and be like, we're celebrating 2020, and I can get really loud and really excited about it. And you can be like, wow, Michael, like, I don't really feel like there was a whole lot to be thankful for. This is, a, this is all, like, when I do this, like, I'm like, okay, this is something, but this doesn't even count, like, when we get together and we're reading scripture together, when we're still connecting over Zoom, when we're connecting in the pavilion in the back. Like, God is still doing more than just what I presented here, and this is just a small fraction of it. But I hope that it gives you some kind of encouragement to say, like, oh, I was really uncomfortable with everything that happened in 2020. I was really frustrated, and I was really upset, and there were times where I was really depressed, and I felt like the whole world was caving in around me. But maybe God was doing something in spite of me. And maybe as we go into 2021, he's not finished yet. So... I invite Josh if he'd come up and we'll, uh, we'll continue our gathering together in singing. So we're, that's going to be our pattern for this morning. I'll, I'll get up and say a couple of things and we'll sing a song. Ryan's going to come and talk about the things that God's been doing in Kid Nation next. Um, and then I'll come up and, and close together. But let's, should I pray? I feel like I should pray. Let's pray before we sing together. Lord, I don't think it is wrong to pray. God, we give you all the glory. Lord, these are small things. These are nothing. Like, I don't understand almost anything at all about how the internet works. 
Um, and Lord, you have given it into people's minds to create it and to dream it and to make it happen. And Lord, we have dipped our toe in it. And Lord, I'm just asking that you would use our small efforts to help us finish the mission that you called us to. Lord, you have, you have put it on our heart that the reason you have put us in this neighborhood is to invite our neighbors to meet and follow Jesus. And so as we're, tr- as we're doing that, as we're showing up, as we're trying to be faithful, God, you are giving the growth. We do not know what tomorrow will bring. We are acutely aware of that. But we know the one who made today and who made tomorrow and who holds every day in his hands. And God, we trust you. So thank you for the work that you have done. Thank you for time to pause and remember and reflect and be excited about the work that you have done. And Lord, thank you for the hope that you are not finished, that you are still working, you are still moving, and you haven't closed your story yet. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Yeah, man, 2020, right? Okay, um, so quick recap of kind of where we, where we got to. So 2019 was a big year um, with what God was doing in Kid Nation. We got through all of God's story. So we completed it. We got through Revelation. Teaching kids Revelation was one of the most amazing things that's ever, ever happened. It was just awesome. Uh, we got through. They, uh, they had completed the story. When you go back in Kid Nation, you see the wall on the left there. So they had completed the illustration for themselves to be able to look back at and see different points of what God had done in the lives of humanity and all creation. So then 2020 is starting, and now what we're going to do is the idea is we're going to go back in and dive into the more specific kind of historical stuff that we didn't spend as much time on, right? So what we did is we went back and studied a life because for kids... You introduce characters and concepts. That's the best way for them to be able to kind of latch onto some things. So uh, the person that we dove into was David. And when we learned in David is that God loves someone who's repentant. God loves someone who looks at the problem that they created through their own sin and then turns away from that. So kids, question for you. Was David a bonehead? What made David different? He repented. He repented. So, so what is repentance? So. You um, Right, and you turn away from it, right? So we do this thing in Kid Nation, right? Everything's visual, right? So adults, you're going to be involved in this. And we're going to do some stuff together this morning, okay? So what I want you guys to do is everybody stand up. Okay, so here's the way that we taught repentance to the kids, Okay. I want you to like, visualize, go ahead and close your eyes. You are standing in front of sin right now. Okay? Repentance is turning away from that sin and turning back towards God and walking in the other direction. So without running into your chairs, turn around. And that is, now you are walking, well, not all the way around, Mom. There you go. I want to go back towards sin, right? So you're going to go towards God. That's what repentance is. Thank you. You guys can have a seat. Get, hey, kids, give it up for the adults, man. So that, that, that's what we learned is that God wants us to turn away from sin and turn towards him. So then um, that, that took us into about March. 
And if you can think back into your 2020 timelines, right? March is when pandemic is really starting to hit. It's starting to get a little weird out there. And uh, kids do this great thing in that they don't hide their feelings. It's awesome. So sometimes when we see each other and we're like, hey, how's it going? We're like, we're fine. Everything's fine. Right? And we kind of put on a face, right? Kids don't do that. Kids tell you what's really going on. So we studied through the book of Psalms, David's life, right? Because we had studied the, the history of David's life and the things that had happened. Now we read through the poetry of Psalms and found out how he was feeling during all of those times. And it was really cool to see how they were feeling about the pandemic in that. And we learned something really special that God can handle our thoughts and our feelings. He can handle them, and he wants us to bring them to him. So that's the big idea from the psalm. So adults, we're going to learn that this morning. You ready? So we're going to do some hand gestures. You don't have to stand up again, I promise. God can handle our thoughts and our feelings. So if that's true, if we hide our thoughts and our feelings from we're actually hiding from God. And they got to see that in David's life as he was running away from almost being killed. And kids, where were some of the places that David hid? Someone other than so. Right. Where, 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 where were some of the places that David hid? He hid in caves in the wilderness. And who was he hiding from? Saul. Saul. Now, what was Saul? He, 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 uh, he yeah, Saul, Saul was a bit of a bad dude, right? So that transitioned us into the book of Kings, which you don't really study with, with kids very often, right? But we did, and we went through the different kings. And if you ask the kids now, they can articulate from Saul, they can go to David, and they can go to Solomon, and they can tell you some of the things about their lives and some of the special things that God was doing there. But what they really learned in that introduction to the book of Kings is that a lot of times what we want is not what God has for us. So, kids, question. The people of Israel, they wanted a king. Did God want them to have a king? No. No. So why didn't didn't God want them to have a king? Yeah, and the king would let it. it would be a bad idea for them to have a king. Now, did God's people keep asking for a king? Yes. And then what did God do? He gave them a bad king. He gave them a king. So, so what they learned is that God knows what we need. So ready? God knows what we need. Right? This is a need. This is something that we need. Right? They learned that. Okay? That led us into studying about Solomon and, and what was going on in Solomon's life. Now, guys, what was the big deal? This, what was the big thing Solomon got to do? Uh, right. He got to build the temple. Now, so, why didn't David get to build the temple? Because he was a man of war. He was a man of war, right? So, then the, um, Solomon got to build the temple. Now, so you guys tell me some, real quick, tell me some of the cool things about the temple. Shout it out. The chair yeah? yeah. They had the, they had the uh, Ark of the Covenant. Had the Ark of the Covenant? What's the Ark of the Covenant? Uh, the Ten Commandments. They had the Ten Commandments, and it was inside of a box, right? Uh-huh. Okay, what was some of the other, what, what happened at the temple? What did they do? Uh, they they sacrificed animals. They sacrificed animals, which was worship, right? Uh-huh. 
what worship looked like in the context of that time with Israel, right? And they got to see the differences between that worship and what our worship looks like, and we didn't compare and contrast to a Sunday morning here. So our kids can articulate the concepts of worship pre-Jesus and post-Jesus. That's, God's crazy. <laughs> that's, that's, that's nuts. So coming into the end of 2020, right, we're going to continue to really flesh out some of the ideas in 2021 of the history behind the concepts that we've introduced. So the kids can walk you through Genesis to Revelation. I, I, seriously, get them to do it. They can walk you through the entire God story. But now as we continue to put some more flesh on those bones and give them some more of the history behind those concepts, we're going to spend a ton of time this coming year in the Gospels. All talking about Jesus' teaching, what Jesus did, what was it like for Jesus to walk with those kids, right? What was Jesus doing? Why was it so important? And then with the transition being, now that we're coming out of this pandemic, whatever that looks like, right? How does it look like for a kid to love their neighbor? They can be friends with them, but what does it look like for them to introduce them to Jesus? How do they invite them to church? Like, we're going to hear more and more and more about that over 2021. So our ask is that you pray for Kid Nation, talk to the kids about what it is they're learning. They love to talk about it, but they're not going to ask you. You ask them, they'll tell you all about it. So will you guys pray with me for Kid Nation now? Father in heaven, Lord, thank you so much that with each life that you create, you put in a chain of events that's going to affect so many other lives. And that, God, you have a plan for each and every one of these little ones. And those plans involve introducing other people to you and saving people through their lives. You are incredible. You are worthy of our praise, and thank you for an insane year. Help us, God, over this, this next 12 months to shepherd your kids well, to love them well, to protect them, to challenge them, and to raise them in the way that you have called us to as a church body, not just families, as a church body completely. God, you are good. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Sorry, Davey woke me up at four o'clock this morning. I apologize. That was weird. <clears throat> uh, on that note, uh, I do want to say real quick, actually, that um, so this will be my last Sunday uh, leading worship uh, with you all. I know you're going to miss weird interruptions like that going forward. Um, but I just want to say I, I'm really appreciative of being here this year and uh, being part of this community. And it was really, I think I started in January and then in March we, <laughs> we shut down. Uh, and started making videos and stuff, and uh, it was just actually incredibly fun to uh, get to be a part of the team and think through that process and try to figure out how best to uh, keep people connected 
in such a weird time. Uh, so I'm just very thankful for the time I had uh, here uh, this year. And uh, if it seems like I've been distracted lately, I have been. Uh, <laughs> so just there's a lot of things going on with uh, family, with my dad, especially in his health. And so I'll be spending more time with them. But uh, I just thank you all for your support and your prayers. Uh, and ask you to continue to pray for my family. And if you'd like, you can stand and sing with us, and then we'll hear uh, a message from Michael. You might have it memorized. If you don't, I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 28, the last chapter of Matthew. It's on page 1043 in the Blue Bibles. I'm going to begin reading in in verse 16. Matthew 28, verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to a mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Um, there's a, there's a question that I don't know that we're in the habit of asking very much. I can remember not really asking the question very often as I was growing up. And um, I was blessed to grow up in a family that had a faith background. My grandparents had a strong faith and my parents had a strong faith, which meant that I, by proxy, had a lot of questions and spent a lot of time in a church building and I didn't really get it very much. Um, and never did stop to ask the question, really, what is church for? Why church? All I knew was it meant I didn't get to sleep in on the weekends, and that was a big bummer for me. Uh, I don't know if you had the same value of sleeping in that I did growing up, but that was basically it. It was like, I don't get to sleep in. <laughs> I don't get to sleep in. This thing is silly. I'm done. And I never really stopped to ask really what it was for. What is church for? Why do we do it? Um, And to answer that question, um, we could be here all day long. It is is a a thick question. It is a dense question. I think it has multiple facets. But there's a reason why Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, should be familiar to you. There's a reason why we close every single time that we gather together by reciting these verses together. And that is because this is what it's for. When we ask the question, what is church for? The answer doesn't come from me. The answer doesn't come from within you. The answer doesn't come from society and their valuation of whether or not it is helpful to have a spiritual life or that meditation is helpful for your mental health. That's not where the value of church comes from and the mission of church comes from. The mission comes from the guy who started it all, the one who made it all, the one who will finish it all, The mission comes from Jesus. I don't get to make it up. 
And I get judged by whether or not I do what he told me to do, not by anything else. And you are judged by whether or not you do what he told you to do and not really by anything else. And so that is why I will continue to remind you what he left us here for and what he wants for us. And there's a couple of things about this verse, like if, if we're go- if, about these verses, if we're going to um, use these as, as guideposts as we're going into 2021, again, not knowing at all what tomorrow could possibly bring, and having a broader sense of the possibilities of what tomorrow could bring. Things that did not seem possible 12 months ago now seem pretty plausible. Like, yeah, that could probably happen. So what do we do? If we look at these verses, I think we've got to put Jesus first. We've got to put Jesus first. There's 11 disciples. They follow. They go to the mountain where he told them. They, they, he meets them there and they worship him. There's some doubt. There's some confusion. But he says, look, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The thing that I've accomplished in my death and my burial and by my resurrection, the thing that has been handed over to me is everything. All the things. All the authority. All of the power that is in the world. Like It is now mine to do with what I will. I'm the one in charge here. And if we don't put him first, we're missing it. The Old Testament has uh, a churchy word for it. They call it idolatry. <laughs> but really, really, it comes down to we've got to put Jesus first. And how do we do that? Like, like for real, how do we do that? Because in a couple of verses, uh, or in a couple of chapters, and we're actually going to look at that a bit next week, Jesus is going to be taken from the disciples that are there. The disciples are going to be with him. He's going to walk with them for a while. And then he's going to go up into heaven. He's peacing out. So how is it? That we put Jesus first when he doesn't even, like, he doesn't sit with us in the pew. He doesn't sit with us in the chair. He's not with me when I'm at work. Like, how do we put Jesus first? We've got to trust his word. We've got to trust the Bible. This, the best that we got. And him, in his wisdom, having all authority on earth, he says, you know what, this is the best way for me to communicate to generations down the way that this is what I, who I am and what I would like for them to do. This is who I want for them to be. This is how I want them for them to interact with me. In my wisdom, this is the best way to communicate it. Which doesn't mean that we're not open to misunderstandings. Like, we all are constantly working through this together. But we work through it with a trust that what he said is true. We trust the Bible. And notice that we journey together. The 11 disciples. Well, weren't there 12? Where's, where's the 12th one? Judas is dead. Judas is dead. <laughs> Things did not turn out well for Judas. This guy who had the exact same call as the other 11, who had the exact same ministry, who had the exact same amount of time and exposure to walking with Jesus in the flesh, this guy chose to betray him. He says, I know a better way than what God is lining out. And he went his own way. And he's gone. But the 11 are still remaining. And, and do we put them up on a pedestal and say, these guys had it all together, they figured it out, they have received like, the whole of everything, and like, they're the ones who get it, and we're all just like, scratching and scraping to try to be good dudes like those dudes? They worshipped him, but some doubted. 
the 11 weren't going to make it to where they were going by themselves. They had to go together. They needed one another. As, as Christ was sending him, as Christ was sending them, they needed to journey together. It was essential to seeing everything go. But they didn't go alone. Like, this is the thing. I don't know about you. Sometimes when they do something over and over again, uh, it gets repetitive, and I'm like, I don't really know that I buy this. But there's something in doing and uh, repeating the Great Commission week after week after week. There's one part that always makes me smile. It doesn't matter how discouraged I am. It doesn't matter how tired I am. It doesn't matter how beat down I am. It doesn't how concerned I am about bills. It doesn't matter how stressed out I am about children talking. It doesn't matter what else is going on in the entire planet. This line makes me smile every time. I am with you always. The 11 needed one another. They journeyed together. And as they put Jesus first, Jesus is with them always. He gave them the mission and he walks with them. If we're inviting our neighbors to meet and follow Jesus, it doesn't all rest on our shoulders. We didn't come up with it. <laughs> it's not my idea. And we're not left alone to do it alone. We have one another. And he's with us. Not for an hour on Sunday morning. Always. Until the end of the age. And brothers and sisters, it could get real dark. We've seen some darkness. But we walk with the light. We follow the way. And he offers us the hope of the life. And if that's true, if that's even remotely true, if that's even 1% true, we're going to be all right. We're going to do what he asked us to do. It occurred to me this morning, and I realize that I don't want to take all of your day, but it occurred to me this morning that the next text I wanted to go to was the wrong one, but I needed to show you something uh, that was made clear to me this year um, in kind of a, a backwards way. And it's one of those things that I learned and realized and then it didn't really stick in my head very well until I needed it later. And I'm going to turn to Luke chapter 4, um, page 1072 in the Blue Bibles, Luke chapter 4. Oh, excuse me, chapter 5. Goodness. And I want to read this... Uh, read the, these verses to you and I want to show you what you saw there and I want to show you what we need to see together. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, on Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and they were washing their nets. And getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from land and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats. 
so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were the James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So we see a fisherman, uh, Jesus is kind of walking around, he's teaching, and he sees some boats, and the guys are cleaning up. They've been out fishing all night, they're cleaning up their nets. They're, they're, this is something they did every day. They're making sure everything worked, they're patching holes in their nets. And this guy walks up and says, hey, let me, let me put out in the boat, and I'm going to talk to these people. And so he's like, I don't know, sure, I guess. So he takes it out. Jesus is teaching from this guy's boat, gets done teaching. High noon, middle of the day, worst time for these guys to go fishing. These are professional fishermen. He says, hey, we're going to go out in the boat, and we're going to go fishing, and we're going to catch something. And he says, look, I've been fishing these waters my whole life. I've been fishing these waters all night, and I haven't caught a single thing. And you're telling me how to do my job? Sure, Jesus. And Simon Peter takes them out in the water. They throw the nets over. They catch so many fish that the nets are breaking. The boats are sinking. And Peter's like, I don't know who you are, but you need to get away from me because if you get to know who I am, you will want to destroy me. He says, look, I know who you are. I've seen you at your darkest, and I am going to walk with you. From now on, you're not going to be catching fish. You're going to be catching men. You're going to be inviting your neighbors to meet and follow me. What you saw was this. I said fishing, and we think of a pole, right? It's a solo thing. Um, you just kind of throw it out there. If you catch something, you reel it back in, you know, whatever. Like, you can do it by yourself. This is not how they fished. When they heard fishing, they thought of something that looked more like this. When I read this paragraph and I think, oh, God made me a fisher of man. God is making me to catch fish. I think about me having to share Jesus with my neighbor. I think of me having to go and tell somebody the gospel. And I'm really not comfortable with that. I'm not really sure how that works. I'm not sure that, that like, I am smart enough to do that. Like, I don't know, what if I'm not good enough? What if they ask me hard questions that I don't know how to answer? What if I can't reel them in? But when Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men, he's not saying, I'm going to give you a rod and you're going to go catch me some fish. He says, I'm going to make you a team and you're going to work and labor together and the harvest that you bring in together, you will not be able to handle because it is not your harvest, it's mine. we got to collaborate. we got to work together. I don't have the gifts to lead your neighbors to Jesus. I don't have the relationship. You have the relationship, but maybe you don't have the knowledge. Maybe I have the knowledge. I might not have the knowledge. Like, I'm really not as smart as I tend to think I am. Like, maybe somebody else here has the knowledge. Maybe somebody here has the experience. Maybe somebody's been in a similar lifestyle. Like, look, Grace, look at us. God has put us together for this time. God has put us together for this reason. God has put us together for this mission. Not so that each of us can be hanging out in a boat throwing a line out the side. Not so that somebody can come over your shoulder and help you reel in the single line. We throw the net together. We pull the net together. We spend all night catching nothing together. 
We spend time with the Maker together. We follow the instructions of the Maker together. We go out again together. We throw the net again together when it doesn't make any sense, when everything's shut down, when the pandemic is full and everyone with fear. We throw the nets again. I just want you to hear it's hard. It can be discouraging. But we are together. And He is with us. And He is doing His work in us in spite of ourselves. And as we go forward into 2020, I can tell you some things that are going to shift around. I told you last year that we were going to change our name. We are still going to change our name. We have the name. We have the logo. I'm going to sit on it for a couple more weeks. It's driving me nuts. I want to share it with you. I want to start using it. Um, But because of the the team that we're working together with, with Sebring and Lakeland, I'm I'm going to hold on to it for a few more weeks. But we're going to change our name, not because changing our name is going to change us, not because that's going to get more people in the door, but because it's a better identifier of how we are going to follow Jesus in this next season. And I can tell you, the team that we're going to build, Josh has already said he's going to be stepping away for a time. There's going to be somebody else who steps in. I'm going to fill in for a time. Like Things are going to look different, and we're all going to be in it together. But I need you to know that God doesn't make spare parts, and he doesn't put people in a room that don't belong together. If you're here, he wants you here. He has a place for you. If we're going to throw the nets... I can't pick that up by myself. Neither can you. If we're going to throw the net when it doesn't make sense to us anymore, if we're going to follow the Maker's instructions, we need one another. And the, and the hope that I have, the only reason I can continue to try and, and give you some kind of inspiration to move forward, to continue to invest, is that He's with us always. To the end of this age. It feels like we've seen the end. But he's still with us. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we need you. And you know this. It's not a surprise to you. And I'm ashamed at how often it surprises me to find it. Lord, thank you for entrusting us with something so precious with lives that you care enough about that you would give your own in exchange for them. So God, would you give us the boldness and the strength? God, would you give us the humility to ask for help where we need help? Would you give us the, um, the love for one another that we would bend over and help together? Would you give us the strength to lift that which you've entrusted to us? Would you give us the faith to step out when it doesn't make any sense again? Would you lead us onward and would you accomplish your mission through us? Not so that we can pat ourselves on the back, but because it's what makes you pleased. We live for you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.